Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux, I am Peter, that is Connor, and this is a movie discussion show and we are talking about a movie today called Les Carbeaux. And I know this is one of these like foreign movies but for some reason, even though there's a nice translation, we don't use the translation. Like it's, this is listed as Les Carbeaux everywhere, it's actually just simply uh, The Raven, but... Mm. For some reason, we, we use the French title. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about. We'll start spoiler-free, as we always do. Uh, this is a film directed by Henry Georges Clouseau, who's a director that I kind of love. I've seen three of his movies before this, and those three movies are Diabolique, which I actually reviewed with Matt a while ago, and I gave a straight-up 10. Uh, Wages of Fear, which is like a 9.5, <laughs> and The Murderer Lives at tw- number 21, which is actually his first movie, which is just before this, that was 1942, uh, I thought was solid. It was more of an 8, but I mean, it was, you know, it was solid. It was... That's it. I've seen uh, Diabolique, and I gave that a 10 as well. I mean, I haven't seen the others, but I mean, you know, it's it's a high bar to come into. Oh, very high bar. So, obviously, when we got the chance to look at some, some of his movies, this is actually the first of three, a little sort of miniseries uh, because they've become available to us if you, if you, via a streaming service. So we're going to be looking at these three Clouseau movies, and this is uh, uh, Les Carbeaux. Uh, this one's actually not too bad to pronounce. I'm worried about the next one. So I mean, I'm going to go on a limb and say it's more Le than Lay, because there's no S on the end. But So I'm, I'm assuming you're pronouncing it wrong already. But, you know, I wasn't going to mention it until you said you were, you were confident in your pronunciation this time there. That's not what I said. I didn't say confident. There, there was an implication. As a confident. He said that rule there as if I know that. As if an S at the end would make it sound something. I don't know what French is sounds like or how you write French down. <laughs> it's a stupid language. I'm not defending it. It means nothing to me. Uh, the point is, is that I have a... I, I can make an attempt at this. I can say it sounding confident, even if it's wrong. The next one, I have no idea how I'm going to say that one. So, regardless, uh, you'll find out what that is next time. Uh, but this is uh, Laker Bow, this is the, the, the Raven, which I think from this point on, I'm just going to call it The Raven to make my life simple. So this is about a small town doctor named Germain who is kind of at the centre of this controversy where he gets this random letter, which is written in a very specific style, all capitals, uh, basically accusing him of a couple of things. One of having an affair with a married woman, uh, who we also meet, we meet her husband, who's a, a big psychiatrist in the in the town as well, and also of practicing abortions, which at the time I assume was just a, a no-no. Uh, yeah, I mean, from context, I'm guessing yeah. that was illegal. <laughs> yeah, well, also from the context that the movie blacklisted them in French cinema for a couple of years, and the movie was even banned in France for a little bit, so I'm assuming <laughs> that that's why. It stands to reason, doesn't it? Abortion was a, a tricky subject, uh, but, you know, it, it, it plays with that idea, of course, and uh, but after that, more people in the town start getting letters revealing more secrets yet every single letter for some reason always seems to mention that Jermaine's up to something always mentions that he is practicing abortion and everything else uh you know so that's kind of where it goes and it becomes this town hysteria thing where everyone starts freaking out they're all saying oh all these lies have been spread around uh but does it but there's this one thing that's in every letter is that one true is that one true and then, of course, as the movie goes on, maybe we start to see that, you know, maybe all the other things are actually true. <laughs> I mean, everyone's denying them, but they're kind of starting to feel like a lot of people are really freaking out about this. So that is the gist of the premise. And, of course, as it goes on, it's kind of the hunt for who the raven is, who's behind this, uh, can we, you know, wean them out, whoever it may be, and we go from there. So, Connor, how did you feel about the raven? It's uh, it's pretty good, yeah. Um, 
I, I don't love it as much as uh, Diabolique. I think that's safe to say. Um, I thought there was a point maybe around two-thirds through where I thought, okay, there's some overly predictable elements kind of here that I'm kind of going, okay, I kind of see what this is and where this is going. And, and it, it feels like it's supposed to be a bit of a kind of gotcha moment here or there, and, and I didn't really get that impact. Um, but overall, it's it's really well done. I have to wonder how much of that is because it's 1943 and you've yeah. seen... You know, uh, yeah, no, that is true. And I, I don't like necessarily blame the movie for that in that regard. But ultimately, I can only, you know, record my experience with it, which is, you know, viewing it now. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm, I think it's worth pointing out that that might not be because the film is too obvious in and of itself. It may just be because... Oh, it now seems obvious because we've been watching stories pull the same tricks for the last 70, 80 years. So it's true, I, think, yeah. I think it's worth mentioning that and sort of, I mean, obviously we can only talk about it in the, the context of how we see it now and how it works for us now. But I think when you do sort of look at something like this, you do also have to kind of keep in your mind, okay, under the context of the storytelling techniques of the time, is this a failure of the writing and direction if it was new at the time? Not really. <laughs> like No, almost certainly not. So, uh, I I liked it as well. Um, it's definitely. I mean, honestly, I'll start off in probably the most negative thing I'll say about it. It's probably my least favorite of his films that I've seen. But again, the standard is pretty high. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, the standard's so absurdly high. And this is again one of his early films. This is his second feature-length movie, and I can kind of see some of the things coming together. Like, there's a point towards the end where it was starting to, you know, getting ready to kind of reveal the final end game of who was behind what and what was going on regardless of how much you may have predicted by that point mm. and i was sort of going you know i can almost see like how this this director became the guy who did diabolique i, I can almost see how this was almost like an early little like practice run of doing a similar kind of like who could be behind this and how does how's it reveal because the end of diabolique is like the most a perfect per perfected to a t mind-blowing perfect Perfect conclusion. Oh, that there holds is. up. That, that, yeah, that, that is uncontested, right? And this feels like earlier film, he's kind of dabbling almost it's towards like playing ideas. playing a little safer. Yeah. It's, it's, the blueprint of it is, is here, and, and you can see where, you know, this, this mystery thriller angle, you know, this, you can see his roots in this here for sure, and, and where yeah. it's going to, you know, develop into. I think for me that was the most exciting part of it was just kind of starting to see the the seeds of what would what would become his later films. As yeah, a fan I mean, of those movies, it was kind of the, the fun of this for me was those little nuggets. No, I get that, and that's something we've done with other directors as well, where we've gone and reviewed earlier movies and talked about how yeah you know, we can see these these earlier things. I think uh, we recently did a, a, a department movie that was an early one, mm. and uh, it's Sisters. That was it, and um, and we talked a lot about how. If we can kind of see the the the, the nuggets of where this is going to go as a filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the movie's pretty good though, and it's it's got uh, some bits of suspense. Uh, it's definitely again those moments where the characters will shut up and they'll just be like a silent little section, and it only happens a few times in the movie. But again, it's those little sections where I'm like. Oh, this is what he's really good at later. Like this, this yeah. is again, it's the seeds of what he's really good at, and, and the the more kind of iconic movies that he's done and I, you know there's little moments and it's just little things it's, it's something as simple as like a, a kid kind of spying on the doctor through his keyhole as he's opening the letter like he's such a master of pacing in his direction that 
it just feels suspenseful, even though all it is is someone watching someone open a letter. And we're, we're at, this is quite early in the movie as well, so there's not even a reason to care about who he is or why this is might be important. It's it's just the action of someone watching makes it feel like we're seeing something important, and the direction carries that across. Yeah, absolutely. It it, it gives you the the uh, the impression of of the weight of what's happening before you understand any actual context, just from the way it's filmed and uh, you know they like say you know just uh, okay with you have the the typical uh, keyhole shape shot uh you do that for a little bit and that adds a lot but it has a lot more talkier than his later films it's, there's a lot more characters kind of sparring with their words and some of it's good and some of it's you know just kind of of its time some of it doesn't necessarily stick out as being like yeah sometimes it feels a bit clunky expositiony yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely some moments where maybe it overdoes an explanation to like a moment or something like that. Uh, but the visuals, when it does get going, are there. There's a there's a great shot at one point. It's just the psychiatrist has been to see him and he's he's leaving down the stairs and the entire the shot just stays up up top the stairs with uh with Jermaine. And we see that the psychiatrist walk down the stairs right without the camera following him, just sort of walks out of frame down the way. But we still see his shadow on the back wall and the hat kind of tipping as he says goodbye. There's just Little visual moments like that that just really stick out as being okay. He's he's starting to sort of dip his toes in the water. He's he's starting. To, you can feel the style emerging, even if mm. it's not there throughout the whole movie. Even if it's not something that the movie itself is focusing on. Uh, but like like you say, like it it's very much the seeds for all those ideas that would would be in his later films. On its own, it's a solid watch. Uh, it's only ninety minutes long, which I think is just the right length. I think if it was any longer. The, the mystery would feel stretched out, I think. Yeah, I think you'd start to feel it uh, if it was even like five or ten minutes longer. Yeah. And I guess his theme's in there. It, it, it kind of pokes at things. Jermaine's got a backstory. It's kind of a, he's got a mysterious backstory, actually. There's a couple of lines early on that kind of hint that maybe some of, like, even his name might not be his real name. Yeah. I would say that would be one of my other critiques in that it introduces those ideas really early on. And then goes a long time with not even kind of following up on it until you're right near the end. And yeah. it feels like that it could have been evolved more organically throughout the movie rather than just kind of introduced and then paid off right at the end. Yeah, but the, what actually happened in his backstory, though, does kind of feed into a lot of the little hints that have been going through. So it's, it's, it's actually really well written into his character everything mm. that is in his backstory the idea of him having a mysterious element in his backstory might be awkwardly introduced uh, arguably didn't even need to be introduced because like, like i say because everything in his backstory actually lends itself to how we've seen him act around certain subjects and around certain people it wouldn't actually feel that out of nowhere if it just came up to you know in that moment in sort of the early third act that it does it's probably true, yeah. Yeah, maybe the moment itself might feel a bit. Oh, okay, they're doing this now. But then, when you, I think as soon as you stop to think about how he's interacted with certain other characters, you go, "Oh, it does all kind of add up. It all makes sense mm. and works for the character." But the uh, the seed does, and I, I think it's because throughout the film, they, they wanted have you guessing like, is is even he a suspect? You know, is even he like sending himself these weird letters to throw everyone off? I, I think um, I think it wants you to think that, but I don't think it does enough to really convince you that it's a possibility now i had a few ideas throughout the film there was one big one that i was convinced of about halfway through which was not correct uh but 
I could have totally see it going that way, damn it. <laughs> um, but then, of course, by the end, it does what it does. Uh, so, no, I, I think the performances are pretty good, though. I think all the main actors, all the main characters are all pretty distinct, pretty memorable. I think the casting's quite good. Well, one of the, the things that I, I find guilty, uh, one of the sort of the... Something that older films can be culprit to sometimes is casting a lot of people who look the same for a lot, some of the roles. that You'll have two or three roles which is almost the exact same looking dude or the exact same looking woman and partly because it's in black and white it makes it's this you know it's like if so, let's, say, let's say two people look very similar but they've got different hair color and black and white that doesn't help as much depending on what the hair colors are for example and mm. i felt like everyone was distinct even some minor characters which is where i sometimes will uh falter a little bit in older foreign films especially is when some of the minor characters who i'm supposed to kind of remember that the you know who they are in relation to others I'll sometimes struggle. In this, I feel like everyone had their own unique look. You know, Jermaine's got the little mustache, the older man's obviously got the older beard and all the rest of it. Uh, I, I, feel, I feel like all the characters were very distinct. And maybe that's a weird thing to... No, I, I get where you're coming from. And I think it's it's not even just the look of them in this one. I think it's because the things that the letters were being sent to them mm. were so unique to each person. It helped you remember their connections easier. Because you went, oh that's the guy who did you know that that thing yeah. and it, it kind of gave them a trait to to help your memory latch onto them easier yeah so it's one of those things where i never have this problem in your films you know foreign or otherwise it's, it's not a problem in your stuff it tends to be older movies and i don't know if it's just because they had like you know the archetype of what a good looking movie actor is so they'd cast a good looking movie actor in all the roles and there'd be a lot more cross cross-pollination isn't the right term but you know what i mean like there'd be a lot more uh just coincidental people looking the exact same because they're looking for similar looks uh, in a mm. lot of ways there's like you know there's maybe like three or four looks they, they, they look for so it wasn't that un- unusual to have the same one pop up multiple no, I times get it. it's like you go back to if, you, if you're looking in i know it doesn't necessarily apply to this film as much but if you look at like the studio system in, in hollywood yeah where okay, once one person's got a successful star that looks a certain way, everyone else wants their one of them. So get someone who looks pretty similar. And I think that did, you know, translate across the world in, in terms of style. Uh, people kind of going, oh, that's what is popular and what sells. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is before we even get to the fact that, you know, obviously every character in this is white, for example. That, that, again, yeah. that would be another factor that would really obviously make everyone more distinct if we were dealing with different races, but of its time um i'm not sure like i i don't know enough about french cinema history to know like exactly when that changed you know was it exactly like you know hollywood in terms of how it developed in terms of how it was treated i, I have no idea but yeah i've not seen enough older french films and the ones i have have mostly been all white casts yeah well you know just from that context you assume it had to be at least similar if not maybe even stricter we have no idea but yeah it's uh it's just one of those things where and again that, that lends itself to why sometimes you watch some of these movies and you know, again you have a lot of people looking the exact same in a lot of ways but yeah so this the story is pretty enjoyable though it, it kind of keeps bouncing around it keeps adding new raven letters as the movie goes on and i think especially because I would say the opening, like, 20, 30 minutes is really strong at introducing all the characters and setting up, kind of, our main players, which is Germain, uh, the the psychiatrist, the older guy, uh, Verzel, and his his wife, uh, Laura, 
uh, Laura's having, and this is what's in the first letter, I don't think this is much of a spoiler because it's like the very first thing you find out about them, but Laura's the one having the affair with Jermaine. And we're also interested to Denise, who's this this uh, woman who's got an injured leg, so she walks around with a limp, but she's, uh, how do I put this? She's very thirsty. <laughs> she, she wants Jermaine. She wants Jermaine bad and makes up excuses for him to come and inspect her and, you know, because he's a doctor, obviously, so he's coming around to uh, check yeah, yeah, up on her. The introduction to her is, is she's ill and, you know, well, that's what they say. And then, you know, it shows inside her room before he gets there and she's, you know, painting her nails and smoking and she's just fine. Yeah. And so, it, so you it, know immediately what sort of person she is. Yeah, that, that's a good bit of visual storytelling. That gives you right away what type of character this is. And it's, it's one of these things where, again, I feel like some older movies sometimes don't have as colourful characters uh and I feel like this movie does, again, a good job of having them be kind of distinct. I, and I do think that's really important in a... It's not quite a murder mystery, but, you know, in, in, in like, a mystery of, of that style where you've got suspects for something like this. I think having these characters be so distinct uh, really makes that work better. Yeah. And I think the movie for its time is probably relatively risky not just because of the abortion thing but i think denise's character the way she's so forward and talks about having lots of relationships with men i, I suspect that's less risky in france <laughs> i mean that's, that's very possible that it's not as big a deal in fr- france but or wasn't a big deal in france at the time but it, it did stick out to me as something that you wouldn't necessarily get in a hollywood movie at the same time period so Definitely, i think yeah. I, I think that's worth mentioning but she but even not, not just the fact that her character exists and that she has that past, but even the arc that her character has with Jermaine feels a little bit more mature and forward thinking uh, than mm. us. And get, get along with the abortion side of things, I, I wonder like, just how much, you know, Clouseau was a little bit ahead of his time or he was maybe, I don't want to quite say advocating, but, you know, he... Yeah, he... I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is a, a progressive wave happening around yeah. France at this time and he happened to, you know, ride on in. Yeah, so... I think that's that's a really strong element to the movie. Uh, so those are kind of our main characters. There's a couple other sort of main characters that get introduced. Uh, the little girl who lives kind of in the same building as Denise, uh, she kind of pops up a lot. She's the one looking through the keyhole at one point. Mm. Uh, so I think the opening 20, 30 minutes, really good at interesting everything, setting everything up. Uh, interesting is to a fairly minor character as well who's in hospital. And I won't say anything else about him just now, but he's, he's only got one scene. But yeah, I felt an impact later when something happened. It was really memorable because this this one scene, he's like, "Can I can I move bed?" And he's like, he's in like bed thirteen, and he's he's clearly superstitious about it. Yeah, but he's very memorable, and he has an impact when his plot concludes in sort of one beat later. And this is actually a weird case where I think him only being in one scene and not being a major part that's constantly we're constantly seeing actually helped the impact of what happened later. I agree, because he was referenced a few times, like, by other characters without yeah. seeing him. And, you know, like, oh, you know, okay, stuff's going on with him. You know, oh, here's the, the details. And it was spread out a couple of scenes over the movie where even when we weren't seeing him, it didn't feel like it was completely disconnected from the start yeah. to the end of his arc. I've got a couple of thoughts that I can't say till spoilers, but I, I like that. The, 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 everything to do with him, I actually really liked how it fit into the movie. Uh, so yeah. I'll... I'll talk about that more in spoilers. I think the middle sags a little bit. I think where it really picks up again, though, is once the real once they really start to try and catch the Raven. Uh, but probably about the last thirty minutes is where things get really interesting again. Mainly because Clouseau's a, a director uh, and a writer that I associate with really good concepts in terms of how 
because if you look at Wages of Fear, the entire I mean that's an entire movie is a concept movie where we have to get all this nitroglycerin from A to B in these trucks over this bad road, and they're slowly driving, trying not to blow up. That's the premise of the movie. And that sounds not- great. Why have I not seen that? It's a fantastic movie. I love that movie. Uh, and then Diabolique, it breaks into sections, but you know the first chunk of it is all about okay, how do we kill this person? That's not a spoiler. That's kind of just the, the start of the the goal, and then you know it evolves in the second half, but. He's very much a, a director I associate with really having a good... And the gimmick, gimmick's not the right word, because gimmick sounds like it's a cheap thing, but really coming up with a device, like a mechanical device. One of the things I talk about in movie scripts a lot is is mechanical devices, where you create drama because you, create, you set up a situation where characters have to function in a certain way. And to me, when they start having plans of how to maybe catch the raven or start to try and deduce who the raven is based on locations, based on what's being said... This is where it starts to, again, prod who I think of Clouseau as later in his career. There's a test that they do that it's only, yes. I mean, it's only like a five minute scene, but it was like, there was the most Clouseau sort of like concept in the entire movie for me was them trying to figure out who someone was based on this test. And I was getting like hints of that. And that's where it really sort of, I got really into it again. And the the back, I think the back chunk of the movie, because of where it ends a lot of the arts for the characters, uh, the reveals, even if some of it is a little bit predictable. And I actually really like the ending, the final beat. I really like so. Yeah. Uh, no, I would recommend it if you like older films, you like foreign films. Uh, if you want, I, I wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the first Clouseau film I'd recommend. I mean, Diabolique and Wages of Fear, the two that I would shove in your face and say, "No, watch these; they'll change your goddamn life." Do it, but but I mean, this is available, and you know, if it's there and you got ninety minutes, yeah, there yeah, are worse so. things you can watch for sure. Absolutely. So uh, I will give the spoiler warning here. Uh, I'll thank our patrons, our Patreon producers specifically. Uh, thank you to Alison Fordyce, Sandy Palacios, uh, Tyler Hess, and David Short. Uh, they are $20 patrons or above, meaning they're Patreon producers. You can, of course, support us on patreon.com slash TV though, for as little as $1 per month and get a bunch of bonuses for your troubles you get bonus episodes of some of the movie podcasts like the ace and uh, screams after midnight uh you get the five dollar tier early access to a bunch of stuff including these these uh, flux movie reviews and so on and so on so go and have a look and see if you're interested in fact we're starting a new thing in fact by the time this goes up this will have already started i assume but there's a new vote for ten dollar patrons uh, that pits a, a screams option versus an ace option versus a flux option so uh that's something that by the time this goes up that'll have already have kicked into place and uh, it'd be going so uh, go and have a look and see if you're interested in supporting and everything we do and uh, thank you very much but let's uh, move on to the spoilers so I want to talk about the, the guy the hospital bed dude because I feel like it's actually really important but when I said that I think it works even better because he's not a consistent part of the movie that he, we kind of we see that one scene his mother brings him a razor and I actually of course my first thought was that with like an old school razor right I'm like I don't know, I feel like that's a dangerous thing to bring to like a hospital patient who's scared and I don't know, like it's just it, yeah. it, that's the sort it's of the thing. Way it really lingers on that shot of him flicking it open. It's the final yeah. shot of that scene as well. But we go away, we, you know, we hear like a nurse complain about him and so on and so on. Uh, which and the nurse that complains is uh is Laura's sister who's constantly kind of accusing uh, Jermaine because she like catches him with a letter and not one of the, the Raven letters, like he's written a letter to her sister, who's of course uh, a married woman, a married woman, so she's she's very inquisitive about these things. Uh, but we don't see him again. We don't see him again, and w- the sort of where the movie really escalates, kind of halfway through, is that we just hear that this guy's committed suicide. We see the the razor on its own, kind of with blood around it, and we don't really see anything grotesque in terms of his body or anything like that. But even just that sight of the razor with blood feels really dark in this movie because of the time period. It feels like extreme for its time. 
Mm. And, you know, it, it, we progress to this funeral and the, 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 the guy's I mean, mother. There's even the whole section debating, you know, is he even going to be allowed a funeral? Because this this was suicide and, and, and God don't doesn't accept oh, yeah. that. And, and, you know, they have to go, well, can we just, you know, write a certificate saying that he, he was, you know, mad? And, and you know, if, if, he, if he was actually, you know, insane then it's not his fault and so you know we can kind of get around it that way yeah that's quite interesting yeah something of the time that really yeah. shakes things up but i uh, yeah so we see his mother walking down you know the head of the funeral procession and everyone's kind of on edge the the nurse uh you know the the sister um uh, marie her name is she like is not wanted there i mean so one of the other like doctors or nurses says to her hey like a lot of people here think you're the raven because you've openly complained about this 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 patient and because you don't like Jermaine and he was the first kind of like victim and he's mentioned in every letter, you, you're you the most likely suspect right now. And she's like, no, I'm going to see this out and it's this really awkward tension that arises from it. But what I like about everything with this plot is that the reason why it's so like not focused on in the film is because when we find out who's the culprit, because we obviously just to sort of skip to the, the reveal here, uh... Verze himself is the raven. We find out that his wife, uh, Laura, who's having the affair with Jermaine, wrote the first letter kind of as a way to end the affair. Like, to sort of scare Jermaine off and just sort of leave it there and that was it. But then he caught her and then he started dictating letters and he started going after her and he clearly has a motivation here. He's essentially found out that his wife's sleeping with another man and wants to really punish him. That's where this abortion story comes from. But of course, there's that scene in our head because the opening scene of the movie is Jermaine coming out of a house and someone says, you know, you saved the mother and he's like, yes, but did you save the baby? And he's like, I couldn't. And it's sort of, it, it plants... So when we hear that he's accused of abort being an abortionist, it plant, that scene in our head's like, wait, was that intentional? Yeah, and we're told very early on that this is the third time in a row that he saved the mother, but not the not the child. Yeah, so and it, it's it, like okay, there's a pattern here. Yeah, is is that like his way of like sort of getting around it and saying okay, well, one of them had to be saved, and I always pick the the parent, right, not the kid. Uh, so so that's really interesting. So he is he's, he has this motivation, but what I love about that is that he doesn't care about this random bystander who ends up like dying like he, he you know he writes this letter uh to sort of escalate things but he's just a pawn in his game because what he essentially wants is to like punish Jermaine and his wife like you know his end goal at the end of the movie is actually to get Jermaine to think it's his wife so that he'll because he he's a psychiatrist isn't allowed to commit his own wife he has to have another doctor do it essentially so he gets Jermaine to do it and it's and a very that, sensible rule oh it's a very sensible rule yes uh and it's after that that he comes back and the end of the movie is that, uh, you know, Verzo's like there, he's like lying dead with the same razor blade that killed the, you know, that the suicide happened with. And we just see like, the, the mother who's still got the black veil on, like, leaving the, the house and walking. That's the final shot. It's her walking down the street, having murdered the culprit. Uh, and it's pretty I, dark. I, it's pretty dark, but I, I do kind of love the idea that this almost... Like, I don't want to say that it was completely unintentional because he did send the letter to him, but it, it, you know, he was a pawn in his game. He didn't care about him. He wasn't, that wasn't his goal in Yeah, any way. I don't think he intended for him to kill himself. Yeah. But I, I, I think he probably didn't feel as guilty as he should because of course it, we're told repeatedly, no, this guy's got, I think it was liver cancer. He's dying pretty soon. All we can do for him right now is give him some morphine. Yeah, which is maybe how he justified it, like just sending him this. Like, yeah. I, I think it probably is, yeah. Yeah, because uh, the letter for the record, we didn't actually say what it said. It just said, you're terminal. The, the guy didn't know he was dying. Yeah. And this, this told him. Uh, but he... 
I, yeah, he didn't care about him. So I love this idea that this person he just disregarded was kind of what did him in in the end. That this mother like wouldn't let him away with it. It wasn't the the people he was after that got revenge. It wasn't the people who, who was after that came after him or anything like that. It was this woman who her son had killed himself because of this man. I I, mm. I do kind of love that. I like just the, again. Like she's a minor part of the movie. Even, you know, even after the funeral, we see her once or twice where she says she suspects someone and she wants the culprit and doesn't seem to think it's Jermaine. People start asking for Jermaine to leave and asking him about his past and eventually he has this big fit where he finally yells out who he really is and why he changed his name. He had a wife and she was pregnant and the, the doctor who was, you know, performing the, the, the birth, he... It was a difficult pregnancy, but he made some mistakes and it resulted in both the child and his wife dying and... So all the hints early on in the film when he's like walking through the playground and basically saying he hates kids and doesn't want a romance and when Denise is trying to like sort of flirt with them and like he's very resistant to it and all of it kind of clicks at a place that, you know, not only was he, it's not just that he had a bad relationship and was hurt, like, you know, he had a tragic end to his relationship. You know, his wife died, uh, his child died. Uh, so yeah and it's, it's why he always makes sure to to save the parent, uh, you know, the, the mother yeah. uh, to and like, look, I can at least save one of them and, and stop someone else going through what, what he did because he was a brain surgeon before. Like, he was like a really mm. highly respected doctor. Yeah, which is why I chose his name because people know, everyone would be like, why are you doing like, you know, regular doctor work in a small town? Why, why aren't you in the big yeah. city performing brain surgeries? So, no, all that stuff is really, I think his arc's pretty solid. You know, him, because uh, Denise kind of ties into this where Denise, after he's accused of enough, they have this kind of moment, this night where she comes on to him and he tries to, I say he tries, she forces, but you know, he kind of tries to sort of wriggle his way out of it. And she just kind of like, basically sort of shushes him with her hand and it kind of like fades to black as if, okay, she's kind of seduced him. Or I mean, maybe that's, yeah. I get too strong a word, but at least he's in a place where the the offer of this, this comfort it was, was more appealing. Mm-hmm. And after that, it's kind of this awkward thing where people just refer to her as his lover, uh, and she feels mistreated and there's a big reveal when he thinks that she's the raven and there's some teases that make us think that too because she has the, she actually has a stuffed raven <laughs> in her yeah that that really um i think this is one of my problems with with saying it was a little predictable in that mm. it really wanted us to think she was it because it was so hard with oh, she's got a stuffed raven that she's leaving outside his door and i'm like okay you're trying too hard that it's clearly not yeah i mean because he kind of catches a writing one and she was writing one and uh basically this was the letter saying that she was pregnant right which obviously ties all these themes together that this this one night stand that they've had uh has led to her pregnancy yeah i like this idea as well of other people kind of getting in on it and being like well no one knows who the raven is i write one this was actually what i was thinking about halfway through i actually thought that there was no singular raven that someone started this and then because so many of these things were so like revealing these little because what well, even one was for the little girl the little girl who'd like stolen like a little bit of money like one of them was for her and well if it wasn't for the fact that all of them tar- targeted also germaine i was totally in of the idea or into the idea that no no one person started this and now everyone's just using it as an excuse to like you know get truths out in the open that they don't want to do publicly yeah yeah uh, I, I, it, it crossed my mind as well and in a way that isn't like a million miles from the truth in the sense that Okay, so you know uh, Laura started it, but then her husband actually carried it on and, and was yeah. the, the main one. Uh, yeah, we had Denise here, kind of using it for her own agenda as well. 
So it, it didn't go all in on the idea that we were kind of both thinking about. But it was but there. It, it, it definitely is aware of that idea. Yeah, it's aware of it. It addressed it. It used it in its plot. It just wasn't to the extent that maybe we, we were thinking there was, oh, there is no raven. It's just it's the whole village. Like, the whole village is, is doing it. Yeah, it, it was hot fuzz is what we were expecting. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, and it would shock me if, like, let's say it turned out to be the case. I'd be like, yeah, this is probably something that Edgar Wright watched at three in the morning one night. <laughs> and, you know, I fully believe him. that is possible. He's probably seen it anyway, because, you know, Edgar Wright's a film dude. He's a... He, he is, likes yeah. movies. <laughs> oh, pardon me. All right. Um, so, no, I, I love all that stuff. And Denise, like, because they actually have kind of a sweet ending and you get this idea that she, she's desperate to actually find someone that she cares about and she does care about Jermaine. And she's crying her eyes out and she's saying, look into my eyes, it's not really me. I just did it this one time because I wanted to tell you this. And he, he he's not sure. And it's after he has the, the whole confrontation where he accuses Laura of doing it and it signs her away to be sent to hospital that he comes back and he kind of says no you should have this baby right you know uh we should we, this is something we should we should do uh, so it actually gives him kind of this happy sort of least in life ending where he's he's not because at the start of the movie he has kind of this grumpy asshole who shoots everything down without caring about what anyone thinks you know he, he's quite happy to yell at people he's quite happy to say that the children that he hates the children you know, when he first comes out to see denise at the start actually he closes the window and says because he, he can't stand the sound of the kids outside yeah it's but the, as, all the noise he takes two steps over to the bed and says, "Are you wearing perfume?" He's like, "Yes, do you like it?" I should have left the window open. <laughs> like, you know, he's 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 a bit of a prick, but that's kind of the the heart of the movie is him softening up by the end. Uh, not that he's, because I feel like you say he softens up by the end, and I think most people imagine a certain type of character arc. It doesn't play out. No, quite he's still that. quite pricklish. Yeah, he's he's still him. He doesn't, he doesn't really change, but he's definitely opened himself up to a relationship. He he definitely. There's a, there's a lot of moments where he almost refers to Denise as a whore at one point throughout the film, and she kind of yeah. like says it for him. And you get this idea that he 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 loved his wife, and he, he almost doesn't want to let himself feel that way about another woman. So he kind of like in his mind, he's like, no, she's just this tramp who's there for a one night stand. It's not it's not love. It's not that. Mm. Uh, it's a, and yeah, so I like that stuff. By the end, you know, we say, oh, his arc. He isn't in that place that you would typically assume. You know what your picture in this arc is. It leaves it in a place where he's maybe a third through that typical arc, but you know, you, okay, maybe this relationship you know, going forward will soften him into where you expect it in the future. Yeah, the point is, is that he's willing to try now, which he wasn't yeah. at the start. So that, that that's all the arc you need. Everything else is, you know, you can hope for the best, but he's willing to try, and that's the that's the character arc. Because before yeah. before he just wasn't. Like he he was in, in this stuck place. He was in this rut. So uh, there's a lot of scenes of the movie with. Uh, uh, versus sort of coming over under the guise of looking for the raven it's almost like he wants to toy with him he wants to try and prod him into revealing things and stuff like that there's a lot of scenes like that yeah uh because they're the ones that run the test after the uh there's a note at the the church that falls from the rafters and they're like oh it must be someone who's in the church so they do this test and it's jermaine and Verze in a classroom with everyone who was there making them all right just dictation just dictating stuff and making them right the idea being that whoever's the raven can hide their handwriting for a while but eventually when they get tired they you know because it takes effort it takes effort to write in a style that's not your own so eventually they'll eventually they'll break slip. yeah, yeah. So that, it's a pretty distinct style of handwriting like it's all it's all capitals it really mm. do you know it remind me of you know like now if you, you, you took a ransom note with like bits of like magazine letters cut yes. out yes 
it really reminded me of that sort of visual uh, with the way it was written. So it, it always stood out. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but I, I love this. This was, again, Clouseau doing his, like, concept where, yeah. okay, we have this concept, they're watching the, the eye writing, and the, the eye writing, the handwriting, and but they're, they're eyeing it up and they're, like, watching very closely at some points, you know, because Denise, it ends on Denise who kind of faints and it's like, was this just to get out of this? Was this just to put an end to this test? Or was it because she actually fainted? Uh, and of course, and this is before we know she's pregnant though. So it's sort of like, oh, maybe the pregnancy, you know, in hindsight, you know, this is a pregnancy related, you know, they're, they're forcing it to sit there and write for what seems like hours at this point uh, by the time this happens. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that could be why. She's just, she's more prone to doing this when she's forced into this weird situation. It's It's pretty stressful, I imagine, for them there. Yeah. Uh, so no, I uh, I like that. I love how some of them still suspect the little girl. And I'm like, how would the little? I mean, I'll, cause she's like 14. She's not little, little. But like, how how's the 14 year old like, discovering all this information that she's accusing people of? I suppose most 14 year olds know shit. Most people aren't admitting that these these things are true, admittedly. So I guess like if they all admitted they were true, then they'd have to really question how the kid could know some of them. But you know, whatever. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah, uh, I think because they're hiding it, though, you can maybe, maybe they're not all true. Maybe some of them are true and some of them aren't. Well, that's the beautiful thing is that I think the characters in the movie are under the pretense that all of them are fake, except maybe the German because the Germain ones mentioned in every single letter, so maybe there's truth to that one. And I think I love the irony. In actual fact, it's the opposite. All the other things seem to be true, but Germain being an abortionist is the one thing that's not true. And it's uh, it's natural that a psychiatrist would know the know the town secrets. Absolutely, yeah, it makes complete sense. Uh, that that adds up really well. And then, of course, if if anything, that's if you if you think about that earlier in the movie, that's probably the biggest thing that would make you predict the ending. <laughs> it's like, oh, that makes sense. He's a psychiatrist. He's heard them all talk about this yeah. in confidence. Makes some sense. It just makes sense. Yeah, but yeah, and, but I think what's good about the ending is that you have the big reveal which may be predictable. But what stands up today is that it's the actual the way he's murdered. And you know who's murdered them that makes it a really exciting conclusion. That makes it have pop as an ending. Mm, I agree with that. It's this dramatic full stop that says no. That's this was the point of the movie, and uh, you know he was his own demise basically. So no, there's consequences for these things. Yeah, it's a it's a good message. Yeah, yeah. I, I think throughout the course of the movie, I mean Denise Marie. Verzo himself, who does turn out to be the, the culprit. Those three are kind of the main culprits that you're you're mostly thinking it could be. Uh, Pretty much, there's there's maybe a little bit uh, at one point where you think it could be the uh, the sister, right? Yeah, that's Marie. Oh, that's, sorry, I, <laughs> I misheard who you said. Never mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, because you know, there's a lot of moments where they look at the father or the girl who's like writing something. Uh, you know, it is like, oh, could it be him? But I do like that air of air of suspicion uh, as people are sort of looking at each other. Anytime someone was writing something down, it's like, wait, what are they writing? <laughs> are they writing? <laughs> are they writing that? Actually, Joe, what I loved uh, is that this is a little detail, but when Jermaine walks in and finds the the unfinished letter uh, that is, you know, under the pretense of the Raven, but it's actually Denise. He finds it in her room, but it's not been addressed yet. Right, it's in the envelope sealed, but it's not been addressed. He opens it, reads it, and puts it back in and hides for her to come back in and watches her finish the, you know, the address, right? The little detail I loved is that before I knew where this was going and I'm thinking, wait a minute, because he licks it closed again to seal it again, I went, dude, DNA, like what the hell, you're going to be a culprit here? And then I went, oh yeah, DNA just 
like you know analyzing dna just wasn't a thing in 1943 so not for I, a long time yet <laughs> i i just i love the idea that like oh it was easier for cr- criminals they didn't have to worry about dna fingerprints sure still but not dna <laughs> yeah and even fingerprints was a lot looser sure yeah uh but it's, it's one of those things where i just i can't not think about like how, how you have to all the things you have to avoid to pull off some you know crime or how crime scenes like analyze from today's perspective yeah i think it's something that in this movie um let's just say hypothetically all of this was set in you know 10 years ago right it'd, uh, it'd all be a uh, text on social media but sure <laughs> i mean uh, <laughs> it would fine, be 15 you know years ago but yeah you know, it's all playing the same it's all letters because it is just letters for the most part it would be very easy to just all right everyone wore gloves sure and then yeah, you know, that would solve most of the problems in terms of DNA for this film. Oh sure. Oh yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to sit, like bring this up as a. But there was something that popped out in my head as he was doing it. Yeah. Uh, it's a little little thing that's changed over time. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's based on the movie. I I I, I think it's uh, got a little bit more heart by the end than I was expecting. I actually when, when he kind of gives in, I Denise is seen as kind of this this character who appears like this strong snarky like takes what she wants character but ultimately by the end i think you see her as quite vulnerable when she actually breaks down and kind of it's just very clear by the end that she really wants him in her life and really wants to have this baby and is uh, so i i think like him kind of accepting that by the end was actually a little bit more touching than i would have expected based on the first like half of the movie so i get that at the start she feels really borderline manipulative a little bit manipulative, I would say. If you take it seriously, manipulative, I, I would say she feels more like comic relief almost at the start of the movie. Yeah, I get that. But by the end, it's kind of like no, it's all a mask for how her insecurities, and that's kind of mm. wonderful. Uh, so and there's some good stuff in there. Uh, it's uh, it's an enjoyable movie. It's it's not up to the standard of the 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 classics that Clouseau would go to do later, but they can't all be, I suppose. But I, I would recommend it. I had fun with it. And, yeah, uh, me too. There you go. So, uh, what are you, what are you giving it? What are you rating uh, the Raven? It's. Uh, I'm tempted to give it a really soft eight, but maybe it's a seven point five. It's kind of in that range. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm feeling generous. I'll give it the the eight for now. Yeah. <laughs> tough. It's tough. It's tough. I would say. Because I agree it's in that range. I'm kind of debating between that and myself. I uh, I think I'm going to be slightly harsh and say 7.5. I mean, I, I, I really can't. Like, yeah, I, I could have easily come down on that myself. And I'm just... And it's not even thinking about it in the broad spectrum of movies in general. I'm thinking just compared to his other movies and compared to... Because I, I think uh, Murder at Lives at uh, number 21, I gave an 8. And I think that was better than this. But Maybe it helps that I haven't seen enough of his yeah. films to compare but is, against but there is a step from that up to the two the big two that is this you know, the bigger gulf if you will but yeah but no i i really strong 7.5 and i would you know it may, it may be one that even goes up if, as i see it again maybe I'll, all these things that we've talked about that i really you know i didn't really think about a lot of these things till after i watched it i sat, sat and thought about it or we talked about it and mm. so it may, it may go up in time but uh, that is uh lake Abu. Uh, you can, of course, 
uh, let us know what you think of the movie. If you've seen it in the comments below, you can like and subscribe, all that stuff. It does help a lot. You can get us on the Twitters at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. If you want to support the show and the channel and everything we do here, you can rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars in a review. It does help us out a lot. Uh, the more people find us that way, it's the same reason why you like stuff. It's, it's the best way to tell YouTube, like, you know, you want more of this content because they'll actually pump it out to more people. So please do that. We mentioned Patreon earlier, patreon.com slash TV if you want to give us financial support. Uh, for as little as a dollar per month. Uh, but otherwise, that is us. So thank you very much for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies, guys. And remember, it's always nice to have diplomatic community.